For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line. That is right. Here we are. September 17th, 2020. And by the way, we have narrowly here in Birmingham missed the hurricane, which I was slightly disappointed about. The hurricane took a sharp right turn, headed back towards the west, or, or towards the east, whatever, and uh, we missed out on it, which was kind of depressing, but whatever. I guess it's good that everything we owned didn't get destroyed, but I was still kind of sad. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show. So glad you could be here. I am uh, trying to get in the groove. I, jeez, oh, man, I slept way too long this morning. I planned on doing this show way before now. And then when I woke up, and it was like 10 o'clock. I felt like I'd been run over by a train. Maybe I'm getting my third round of coronavirus. Who knows? Maybe that's what's wrong with me. But there's uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. I just kind of got up, got going, and, and trying to see what was on the uh, on the docket for news today. And a lot of it is, is the same stuff, but there are some new items. Yesterday's show, we crammed so much stuff into one show. I, I didn't mean to do that, but there were so many things out there. I couldn't help myself. But uh, the first thing I saw today, once I got up and got moving... Let me find that here. Was some comments from Attorney General Bill Barr. Now, Bill Barr, y'all know my opinion on Bill Barr. Bill Barr is the man. He is 
the best attorney general, best man for the job at this moment in time. And when I look at Bill Barr and I look back at somebody like Jeff Sessions, our former attorney general, I can't help but think, man, what a disservice we have done for ourselves by not having Bill Barr there the entire time. Because he makes Jeff Sessions look like a punk. And when it comes to that role... And standing up for what's right, standing up for what's always been right, Bill Barr's the man for the job. Jeff Sessions never did that. And I I think Jeff Sessions is a moral guy. I, I think he does what he thinks is right, but just his demeanor in itself, he's not a fighter. And I think that's the biggest problem. Jeff Sessions lacked the fight to stick up for what's right. He knew what was right, and he would do what was right, but he wouldn't fight for what is right. And that was his biggest flaw. And that's why Bill Barr, maybe Bill Barr looks a lot better than he actually is because of Jeff Sessions. But nonetheless, uh, I love the guy. He was at some sort of a Q&A deal. He was talking about uh, the... Uh, he, he was talking about the instance of a uh, national lockdown, if we would have done a national lockdown at one time. And he made some comments that caused the left to lose their ever-loving mind because he dared speak of their golden goose. What, what is their golden goose? Slavery. Racism. That is everything to them. That's what they hinge their entire political message on is um, slavery is racism is a victim mentality in general that's that's what it that's that's what they use that's that's all they've got in their in their repertoire so here's bill barr with some comments he made this is short 20 seconds uh talking about the national lockdown and really how detrimental it would be to american society listen to this putting a national lockdown stay-at-home orders is like house arrest. It's, not, it's, the, it's, you know, other than slavery, which was a different kind of restraint, this is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. Now, this is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. Is that not, uh, is, is that not true? Uh, in the sense of the greatest intrusion on civil liberty since slavery. Okay, now here's what the left is doing with this. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this to you guys so you know when you see it what they're doing. They're saying that Bill Barr is comparing a national lockdown in the wake of the, the scandemic. They're saying he's comparing it directly to slavery. When he's actually doing the opposite, and this is what happens when you don't listen to people when they talk. When you have decided what they're going to say before they even open their mouth, you're, you're never going to be on the right side of an argument. Never. I, I don't care if you're arguing with the, you're a family member, a friend, or you're arguing with the Attorney General of the United States. It's never going to work. Bill Barr said this is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties if we were to implement a national lockdown since slavery. Not even more so than slavery. Not even as much as slavery. 
He said slavery, the only thing you can find something worse or more intrusive on civil liberties than a national lockdown is to go back to slavery. And that was the biggest intrusion on civil liberties for people in this country. But they want to blur the lines. This is what they always do. The left thrives on blurring the lines. They blur the lines on everything. I saw a prime example. Trish and I, and I wish I could bring her in here. I don't know if she's going to come or not. But uh, her and I were having a discussion about uh, show ideas for the future. And she said, you know, you you should really think about doing a show that's just simply dedicated to Trump policies and Trump accomplishments over the past four years. Because that seems to be uh, the, the contentious topic where... Uh, nobody really wants to go. It's always fight about this policy or that policy or this interpretation of a tweet or that. And that if you could just lay out what Trump has done, which we all know, I would say at least 75% of you guys watching this video know the amazing job this president has done in three and a half years. Just lay all those facts out and then hopefully people who don't like this president will come across it, hear you say those things, and think, you know what? Those are all good things. I didn't know he did those. And that's the case for a lot of people. They just don't know. They're told all the bad things that are really not even true, and they don't hear about the things that are actually benefiting them. They're benefiting from this presidency and don't even know it. And that's a sad situation, because none of us like ungrateful people. Nobody does. I can't stand ungrateful people. But as we're talking about that, I, I did a quick Google search just out of curiosity. I mean, obviously, I know uh, most of what the president has done in these three and a half years. But my thought was, what is Google going to say if I tr- if I if I put in Trump accomplishments since 2016 or 2017? What would Google tell me? Okay. And as soon as I put it in, I just put in a list of Donald Trump policies. You know when you go to Google and you type in a question, it will take, I guess, the most popular website and then give you bullet points at the very top of uh, that, that is supposedly the answer to your question. But it's really just pulled from that website that's, I guess, most visited. Well, on this question in particular, the first website is Wikipedia. So it pulls the list of, of uh, accomplishments by Donald Trump according to wikipedia and here's what it said okay now now i'm just this is what somebody who has no idea the beneficial things that trump has done this is what they would see when they first go to google to try to find out what those accomplishments are on the economy tax cuts tariffs china trade war listen to the scary language they put on here environment paris withdrawal on foreign policy the iran deal the Gulf Crisis, Jerusalem, Golan, Trump Peace Plan, the Israel UA Agreement. All sound bad for people that don't know what's going on. How about this when they move to the section of immigration? Travel ban, wall, family separation, migrant detentions, troop deployments, national emergency. <laughs> infrastructure on infrastructure? It's just blank. They didn't put anything. Social issues, cannabis. <laughs> it's uh, it's sad. It is. It's funny, but it's sad. 
because there's so many people. There's so many people that that just read headlines. They read headlines or they read tweets. And, and Twitter and social media have been notorious for promoting this type of, of behavior, this type of research, if you will. Their research never goes more than 140 characters. Their research never goes any further than a headline. And so that's all they get. And, and really, for those that are creating the headlines or creating the tweets, they can create in that very small section whatever narrative they want. It can be completely opposing to the facts of the story. But they can still create a headline, and, and when somebody pushes them on it, they'll say, well, I mean, it's not incorrect. I mean, it's just phrased in a different way. But it's still technically accurate. No, it's not. It's misleading. And they know the general public, for the most part, is just reading those tweets and reading those headlines. That's why you have people thinking black people are being indiscriminately shot by police in the streets. When you are 18 times more likely to be shot by a black man if you are a cop than you are to be shot by a cop if you are a black man. 18 times more. But nobody's going to talk about that stat. That would be silly. It would be detrimental to the message. But speaking of... COVID-19, national lockdowns, and what we got to do to, to, to get, get back on track, to get back to the greatest economy ever, which, by the way, it was just a few short months ago before coronavirus hit and we allowed Democrats to call the shots that we had more job openings than we had unemployed people. Now, remember that? That was less than a year ago. It was less than a year ago. And we're about to be back at that number. Soon enough. We had the greatest economy in history. But yet, if you listen to Democrats, they act as if you know, we've just lived through the most horrible three and a half, four years of, of our lifetime. Anyway, the CDC director, for those of you that still listen to the CDC, he is now claiming that face masks are going to be more of a guarantee to protect you than to have a COVID-19 vaccine. That is correct. Well, what does he mean by that? And this guy is a scary-looking dude, as you see. That means even if you get your coronavirus vaccine, they want you to continue to wear a face mask. And that's right. What is, and people have asked me this question, what is their fascination? What is the less fascination with a face mask? What is, they, they have this weird fetish about making everybody wear a face mask. And why is that? And, and I asked my question, myself that question for a long time until I finally figured it out. Their fascination with it is the fact that they are looking at least until they regain power, they are looking to make you miserable. They want you to be miserable. They don't want you to know the things that have been beneficial that have been done by the Trump administration to make your life better. They don't want you to be happy. They want you to live in fear. They want you to live in victimhood. And even when you're out in public and you're passing people and people are maybe smiling or saying hi, 
and letting you know that the world's really not that bad of a place. America's not that bad of a place. They want to even stop that. That's why they want to put a mask on your face. They want you to be walking around in public looking at a lot of blank faces with no, no sort of expression. Nothing. Just a bunch of zombies walking around with their face covered up. They really want you to have no human interaction. Because that interaction, that companionship, that, that, that social uh, uh, interaction is required for our happiness. It is a necessity for us as human beings to be happy. To have social interaction. Can we all agree with that? The left's job is to make you unhappy so they can then say, hey, we're the ones going to bring you happiness, safety. We're going to shelter you from all these scary things in the world. You just got to trust us. That's what this is about. The mask thing is, is stripped of any sort of logic. There is no logic involved when it comes to wearing a face mask. None whatsoever. Because you're not going to get everybody in this country or in this state or, or any, any place on the planet to all simultaneously wear a mask. It's not going to happen. You're putting employees and stores in bad situations. You're getting people, putting people in, in, in a position to physically fight each other. People are getting shot over this stuff. It's not going to work. Plus, you're constantly hearing about people that, that said they did it the right way. They sanitized their entire life, wore a face mask, and still caught it. So it's not about the coronavirus. It's not about COVID-19. There's a much bigger picture here. Plus, it makes it easier for Antifa to get out in the streets and uh, get away with what they, uh, what they do, burning down cities. Because they're already required to cover their face. So it just works out for them, right? <laughs> Speaking of which, I was watching, uh, I saw this clip this morning. It was from Fox News yesterday. It was on their midday programming. And they were talking. It was it was Harris Faulkner and who's the other chick? I was going to say the blind-headed chick, but there's like 20 of them on there. It was that outnumbered show, outnumbered overtime, whatever it's called. And they were talking about people who have had their businesses destroyed by these riots, these George Floyd, we're finding out that in the aftermath of the George George Floyd protest, the cities like Minneapolis are dealing with up to a billion dollars in damages and loss from the riots. A billion dollars. That's y'all. That's that's one thousand. That's that's one million dollars, one thousand times. That's a lot of money. We hear that we hear billion and trillion thrown around so much these days. It's hard to comprehend how much a billion dollars is. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I mean, a billion dollars is like what the federal government gives Planned Parenthood in two years. It shows you how much money it is. But they had Newt Gingrich on, and they were talking about the businesses that have lost everything because of these riots, and then have received no help from their 
local, state, government, the federal government, whatever they've done, they have not received any help, is what they're saying. And they go through this thing, and it's very informational, and, and they're pointing out, hey, we, we're having people of all backgrounds, all colors, all cultures that have lost everything because of this. Well, they've got Newt Gingrich on there, and I like Newt Gingrich. I, I actually I supported him in one of the primaries back in 2000. 2008, 2009, I think. And he, is, he, he makes the point of why these protests are allowed to continue across the country. And he's like, here's the deal. He's like, we've got these George Soros paid for DAs across the country in these liberal cities that are just letting people out on the streets. And, and everything he says is factual. Everything he says is factual. And the people in Fox News are like, we, we don't need to bring George Soros into this. We don't need to talk about... Well, why not? Because Newt Gingrich isn't lying to you. He's telling you the truth. Here's that clip from Fox News. It's about three minutes long, but I want to make sure you guys hear this because it's... Uh, I, I watched it this morning and I sat in shock with the fact that, that Fox News has gotten to the point that they are now. ...is because I talk to these people all the time on my business show at 4 p.m. and we put faces to the different small businesses that have been destroyed. And I have to tell you, many of those faces that we've had on are black and brown and they have created a business from the ground up that is their entire livelihood. And they stood there while looters, rioters, protesters, whatever you want to call them, smashed their windows, threatened their customers. Many of them, as Marie points out, were trying to recover from the coronavirus when these folks came along and torched their businesses and brought them to the ground. They haven't seen any sort of relief. No one has come to help them. And I think for a lot of people, uh, they see the numbers around the destruction and they don't Think about that every one of those businesses is a family, is a face, is a person yeah. who is now struggling and has no way to support their family. That's who I want to see in this hearing. That's I want America to see the faces of these people whose lives have been destroyed by this violence. Yeah, it's so true. They represent everybody, right? Speaker Gingrich, I know. And listen, those are all fantastic points. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what these ladies are saying. They're 100% correct. People of all backgrounds, all colors, all genders, Americans, the one thing they have in common, they are Americans. They are the ones that have lost everything, and nobody seems to care. Now, here comes Newt Gingrich, who drops a truth bomb on these people, and they sit here stunned that somebody said the name George Soros. Now, the, keep in mind, as you watch this, you know, you, you, don't, you never have to trust me in what I say. I will always encourage you to do your own research. But I can tell you that everything Newt Gingrich is about to say to you is 100% correct. And we can go through the facts and show you each one of these instances where this is true. But the biggest thing here, because this is no surprise, this is not breaking news that Newt Gingrich is talking about. The biggest surprise to me is the reaction from these hosts at Fox News, who all of a sudden are acting as if they're on 
George Soros's payroll or something. Now yeah. you have a final thought for us. Yeah, look, the number one problem in almost all these cities is George Soros elected left-wing, anti-police, pro-criminal district attorneys who refuse to pe keep people locked up. Uh, just yesterday, they put somebody back on the street who's wanted for two different murders in New York City. Uh, you cannot solve this problem. And both Harris and Biden have talked very proudly about what they call progressive district attorneys. Progressive district attorneys are anti-police, pro-criminal, and overwhelmingly elected with George Soros's money. And they're a major cause of the violence we're seeing because they keep putting the violent criminals back on the street. I'm not sure we need to bring and George Soros last. into this. <laughs> I was going to say you'd get the last word, he Speaker. He paid for it. I'm not sure we need to bring George Soros into this. I mean, we just, we don't need to bring up his name. Why? What, what, what is George Soros doing for you? What is George Soros doing for you that you can't bring that up? Do you have, you have information you want to present to your audience that shows that he doesn't have anything to do with it? That he didn't pay for the re-election of these district attorneys? Because we'd love to see it. Because right now, all the evidence points in the opposite direction. For it? I mean, why can't we discuss the fact that millions no, of he dollars didn't. he spent? I, I agree with well, Melissa. George Soros doesn't need to be a part of this conversation. Okay. So it's verboten. All right. We're going <laughs> to. So okay. Awkward. We're going to move on. Uh, historic day at the White House. Oh, man. That was so bad. It, 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 <laughs> just sit there in shock. It's sad. If, if it wasn't, if, if it wasn't so, uh, if it wasn't so funny, it would be uh, depressing. Which kind of is depressing because when 90%, 95% of the media is is really owned by the left, and I mean that in every sense of the word, owned by the left, they do their bidding to see the one major channel slowly move in the direction of no longer defending what's right and sticking up for conservative values that we all used to agree on. It's sad. It's sad that these people are no longer willing to fight, but that's what happens when you're dealing with major corporations. People that work in radio can tell you that. I've, I fortunately have never been put in a position to where I've been censored on the radio for uh, anything. I've been able to always talk about what I wanted to talk about. Now, I, I've pushed the limit and, and had a talking to from time to time, but it was nothing that I felt like was actual censorship. But there are plenty of people in the radio business that have worked for companies that they'll tell you, hey, I've been silenced. I couldn't talk about everything I wanted to talk about. And I may, as, as I move through my career, I may deal with the same thing. Who knows? I've yet to deal with it, but... Chances are, just knowing how I operate, that if if <laughs> if that time comes, I'm probably going to tell y'all about it anyway. Uh, but in that that's neither here nor there. We'll worry about that when the day comes. But it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs. The way the uh, Fox News is, uh, the way they've gone. Another thing. Speaking of of coronavirus, I know we kind of went from COVID to, to Antifa, but now I want to go back to COVID just for a minute because I saw this as well in Nashville. 
their health department officials have apparently made a concerted effort to cover up their numbers of of infection, their infection rate within their bars and their restaurants because the number was so low. That's right. Their numbers were so low. And this is, Nashville is not, we're not talking about uh, Aniana, Alabama. We're talking about Nashville, a, a tourist hotspot where anybody that comes from out of town to go to Nashville, they're going to bars and restaurants, right? These places are always packed. And granted, they've been at limited capacity, but once the data came out uh, that the health department got their hands on, they found out that the the infection cases from COVID in restaurants and bars were so low that they felt like they needed to hide it from not just the mayor of Nashville, but from... The general public. So if you see this, this is from the Daily Caller. Confirmed coronavirus cases from Nashville's bars and restaurants were so low that in Tennessee City's Metro Health Department, they decided to withhold the data from the public, according to emails from the mayor's office. The emails discussed the low amount of coronavirus cases traced to restaurants and bars and how to hide those figures. Contact tracing commissioned over the summer found that Construction crews and nursing homes were more responsible for the virus's spread than Nashville's restaurants and bars, which reported just 22 cases as of June 30th. 22 cases. Now, here's another thing. And you notice they they point out that construction sites, construction crews, and, and nursing homes were more responsible for the cases than than restaurants and bars which we're told, you know, the people, the small business owners are the ones that are uh, facilitating the spread across the country. Yet we had an active effort by mayors and governors across the land, and all all in liberal cities, to pack COVID-positive patients, COVID-positive people into nursing homes. Now, I've asked this question before, and call me crazy, call me a conspiracy theorist, but as I rack my brain to try to figure out what they would benefit from, how would they benefit from killing off people in nursing homes? Because that, that's the only logical explanation for doing that. You know that the virus kills older people, people with pre-existing conditions, and, and the worst place, the absolute worst place you could put a COVID-positive patient is in a nursing home, right? That's what common sense tells us. What's their motive for doing so do they feel like the older people are more likely to vote for donald trump and they want to thin those people out is it they just want to to bolster their numbers to then use it against the president because we're we're finding out more and more the numbers are garbage and the CDC is saying, hey, 6% of the reported cases are actually how many people have, have died directly from COVID. But a large number of those are from nursing homes. Whether that's Gretchen Wilson in Michigan or, or Cuomo in New York. There was a reason they wanted nursing home patients, nursing home residents to die. And that's where a majority of it's been. So, so think, think about this. If, if the governors would not have put COVID-positive patients in nursing homes, 
and it would have never spread like it did throughout nursing homes, which had a big chunk of that number, what would, what would our reaction look like? Our numbers would be a lot lower. And that's not just in Michigan and New York. That's all across the country. Remember when this first started, it was in, what, Seattle? And we found out that it started in a nursing home. We're like, oh, how did it start in a nursing home? That's because they're putting people, they're, they're, they're cramming coronavirus in nursing homes. The truth will eventually come out on this. The truth will always come to light. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take. So back to this uh, uh, Daily Caller article. Contact Tracing Commission over the summer found that uh, nursing homes construction crews were more responsible. 22 cases since June 30th. 22 cases in bars and restaurants. In response to the findings, one health department official asked, quote, this isn't going to be publicly released, right? Just info for the mayor's office? Correct. Not for public consumption. Mm. That was Benjamin Eagles, a senior advisor to Nashville's mayor, John Cooper, according to these emails. A month later, Nashville's health department was uh, confronted about the rumor that uh, the state's capital's restaurants and bars led to only 80 cases by a reporter for the Tennessean. Uh, He said, hey, John Cooper, why won't you respond to media inquiries about your coronavirus cases? And he posts the email. He said, the figure you gave of more than 80 does not lead to a natural question. If, they, if there have been over 20,000 positive cases of COVID-19 in Davidson County and only 80 or so traced to restaurants and bars, doesn't that mean restaurants and bars aren't a big problem? An internal email shortly after health department officials told Brian Todd, uh, or I'm sorry, health department official Brian Todd asked others in the department, please advise how you recommend I respond. Officials responded to him, to, uh, to Todd, confirming the data relating to restaurants and bars had not been released because those numbers are low per site. Mm. So we could still release the total, though, and then respond to the over 80 could be because that number is increasing all the time and we don't want to say a specific number. Excuses. <laughs> There's an active effort to hide all the good news and post all the bad news when it comes to coronavirus. Why? Because there is an ulterior motive here. It's not about saving lives. It's not about keeping people healthy. And y'all know this by now. I'm not I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard. Y'all know. But it's amazing. It's 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 stunning. It it it's stunning that not more people have woken up to this. But as each day goes by, it's going to get more and more obvious. One more thing on the front of... Uh, I'm trying to be more time-sensitive with these podcasts, so uh, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to be more responsible. I don't know that I'm actually being more responsible, but we're trying. I realized last night when... Uh, not last night, but yesterday when we did yesterday's podcast, it went on for over an hour. One of the longest ones we've done. I said, man... People aren't going to want to sit here and watch a podcast for an hour, so I gotta, I gotta start watching the clock like I used to do on the radio. Um, one last thing, though, I want to get to. This is 
Lindsey Graham, who was on Sean Hannity last night, and since we've talked about Fox News and where they've headed, I'll give credit to Tucker, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram. And those are their primetime guys, and they are the ones that are more uh, opinionated content than anybody else, but those guys stay on top of it. They don't relent, and, and they suffer the consequences, really. They constantly have people coming after them, trying to shut them down, but they keep fighting, and and um, I think that's I think that's a noble thing for them to do. But Sean Hannity has Lindsey Graham on last night, and really, this stuff came out on Friday, but this was the first I was hearing about it, so it surprised me, but Lindsey Graham is setting up a hearing for the end of the month, the end of September, to have James Comey come in and testify now that we're getting on the backside of the Durham report and to answer for their lies and their their deception and the things they did wrong, the things they did illegally in the Russia hoax and in the lack of prosecuting Hillary for her crimes. You let Hillary go, but you chased after Trump until you realized there was nowhere else to go with your witch hunt. So he's going to bring in Comey, also asked to bring in Mueller. And Mueller is like, nah, I, I just, I don't have time. I can't do it. Of course he can't do it. Now, if y'all remember, well, I'll talk about that in a minute. Here, here's Lindsey Graham on Sean Hannity just last night. New money for documented state general uh, revenue yeah, shortfall. Well, let's do this because... Uh, Somebody else is wanting wanting to uh, play in the background. Let's get rid of you. Yeah, you gotta go. All right. Can we try this one more time? I'll get it together. All right, let's go this route. Lindsey Graham last night on the Sean Hannity show on Fox News. For committee. Uh, yeah, the day, the day of reckoning is upon us when it comes to crossfire hurricane. James Comey has agreed to appear before the Senate Judiciary Committee on September the 30th without a subpoena. I appreciate Mr. Comey coming before the committee. He will be respectfully treated but ask hard questions. We're negotiating with McCabe, Mr. McCabe. We're hoping to get him without a subpoena. Time will tell. Mueller has declined the invitation of the committee to appear to explain his report uh, after the Horowitz uh, report. He says he doesn't have... Now, now, let me say this. Do you remember what a disaster the the, the Mueller hearing was? Do y'all remember that? You, you remember when Mueller came to Capitol Hill and it was, as they were asking him questions, it was as if he never had anything to do with the investigation. Like he had, he had never seen the report. He was never involved. He was, it was like he was just clueless. <laughs> it was the biggest, you know. It was, it was heralded as, it, it was, it was promoted as it was going to be this huge groundbreaking thing that was going to end Donald Trump, and it turned out to be nothing. Mueller just seemed to be a guy that was thrown up there as a puppet, and had no idea what was going on. Enough time, but September the thirtieth, thirtieth, we'll have Mr. Comey before the committee, and I look forward to it. 
You're going to accept that answer from Robert Mueller in light of 27 phones we believe were erased because everybody accidentally put in the wrong passcode repeatedly. And by the way, I never heard that that locks up a phone or erases a phone. Have you ever heard about that? Now, I've dropped phones in the ocean. I've actually dropped one in a toilet bowl once, uh, yeah, but I never yeah. used bleach pit. Um, and I've had to yeah. replace phones because I lose them. I've actually lost right. phones. Now, this is something that's not being talked about on the news at all let me let me just drag you over here real quick for those of you watching on youtube you know what i'm talking about um i i once i heard him say that i went to look it up to see exactly what happened and i, I guess maybe because there has been so much going on in the news that this one just kind of slipped by or really they tried to cover it up but I, I found an article by the washington times and it talks about how we now know the Mueller team wiped clean their smartphones before returning them to the DOJ. Now, what does that mean? They are provided, when they did this investigation, government-issued phones, iPhones. And they said, use this for all your business stuff. It's, it's really how we found out about Lisa Page and Peter Strzok and their affair and, and all that shady stuff. Use this, use these phones for all your government business, blah, blah, blah. And then once you get done, you've got to return these, you know, because we got to know what exactly you guys did or blah, blah, blah. So I look into this and I had no idea that 27 government smartphones had been wiped of all their data. Now, this the, the reason this is a big deal is because it would when you do these investigations you got to bring back everything you did it's like doing a report for those of you that work in a field where you do a report and you have to bring back everything you did so it's documented these fbi agents and this special counsel felt like it was no big deal if they just wiped their smartphones and came up with an excuse for why they had no information the staff of the special counsel Robert Mueller turned in 27 government smartphones that have been wiped of all data, including the iPhone of Andrew Weissman, according to the Justice Department numbers. You go down, of, of over 100 relinquished iPhone 6s, 7s, in 2017 through 2019, 12 of them were cleansed of any text, emails, photos, in notes due to password failures some were automatically wiped others were left in airplane mode and with no password were reset to factory settings with which which cleaned the data according to previous justice department reports investigators have the forensic skills to rebuild deleted phone data if needed so you mean to tell me you had 27 people or, or at the very least, half of those people, they forgot their passcode for their phone, and so it wiped all the data. Half of a... a <laughs> we're not talking about your grandma getting an iPhone for the first time and not knowing how to use it. We're talking about a team of 27 government agents who are involved in the biggest political investigation in history. Had their phones wiped out because they couldn't remember their password. Does anybody believe that? This is absolutely crazy. <laughs> and who, I want to know who's going, 
Who's going to the meeting and saying, well, we'll just, we'll just tell them we forgot the password when we turn our phones in. Like, who said that? And then who at the table was like, you know, that's a good idea. We should probably do that. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, it sounds fishy as hell. We're going to ask the people who did the erasing, but I'm going to ask the Department of Justice and the Inspector General to look at this. But I've been telling your viewers for a long time that we would try to have an accounting for what happened with Crossfire Hurricane. How did it get so off the rails? How was the FISA court misled multiple times? Well, that day is coming. I'm proud of our committee. We will also interview the people who interviewed the subsource. And uh, we're getting to the bottom of what happened. And we'll have a hearing on September 30th with Mr. Comey. And hopefully Mr. McCabe will come in. He's out all over the place. We've invited Strzok to come. He's selling a book. We'll see if Mr. Strzok will come without a subpoena. But I look forward to this hearing. I think it will be important to the American people. I'd like Jim Comey to come on my radio and TV show. I'll give him three <laughs> hours of radio and an hour on TV. I have a lot of okay. questions. Yeah. Now, he was warned that the dossier was dirty before he signed the first warrant, that Hillary paid for it, didn't put that in the account. It does say verified. Yeah. We now know it's unverifiable. He signed three of them. After he signed that it was verified <laughs> in October, uh, he told Donald Trump in December, the president-elect, that it's salacious and unverified. So he lied either in October or he lied in December. <laughs> and we also know for sure, don't we, that the subsource of Steele uh, said, no, none of this is true uh, in January of 2017. And Comey went on to sign two more warrants. Is that a fact, Senator? Well, it's a fact that in January of 2017, in March of 2017, the Russian subsource told the FBI that it was bar talk hearsay, not verified. Uh, we know that happened. Now, who did the intel analysts and the case agent tell? We're going to talk to them in the next uh, week to 10 days. But here's my point. I appreciate Mr. Comey coming in. We've been asking each other a lot of questions. It's about time to ask the people in charge what the hell happened. That day is coming. I promised your viewers we would get to this day. And stay tuned. A it's couple of weeks time. from now, we'll know a lot more. Let me ask you a question. If if I told you that all that I erased my phone because I put in the wrong password, do you believe that cockamamie story from Robert Mueller's team? Because I don't believe a word of it. Nobody believes it. Nobody. The only people that believe it are brain dead zombies that take the media at face value. That tank the media at whatever they say. They believe it. And it's a sad state of affairs. But the Democrats know they have a good portion of the public imprisoned with that very tactic. That's it for this episode of Over the Line. Make sure you share. You subscribe to uh, our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. And also subscribe on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com slash Over the Line and boom, there we are. And share that stuff too. Let everybody know. We got it. We got you covered. Also on social media, at Andrew McLean, who on Twitter and on Parlor and Over the Line on Facebook. Hook us up. Follow us. Keep up with everything we're doing. And until next time, we'll see you, Cole.